Welcome to the Plymouth Meeting Church Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope the following message touches your hearts and minds. Good morning once again. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Uh, We're going to get right to it. Welcome back to our study through the book of Joel. Um, We're not sure when when Joel was inspired and guided by the Holy Spirit to, to write down this prophecy And so we do have a challenge of trying to get the context dialed in. But what we do know, if if you've been tracking along with us or if you're brand new here uh, with with us and and Joel and our our study of it here, what we do know is uh, the people of God are experiencing turmoil. But also there is this call to action, this call to return to God, a sense of urgency in the text, a message of urgency. Turn back to God. There's a message of restoration for all of us to hear. And so today, uh, we continue to learn about this message of of restoration. But what we find out is that that God's restoration plan for for his people uh, way way back in time and also for us today, God's, God's plan of restoration is more than just physical, ecological, economical, and so on types of restorations, but, but God has a, has a big restoration vision for this world. God's restoration is also spiritual. Turns out, yes, indeed, God has a big restoration plan. God, God is on a restoration mission. And so here is an outline of what we have today. Uh, We're going to be introduced to God's gift of the Holy Spirit, and then uh, some some signs that go along with the day of the Lord. We're going to talk about God's security, and then we're actually going to leave Joel uh, and go to the New Testament and just kind of trace out some of the activity of God's Holy Spirit there in the New Testament, there uh, in the days of the early church. So let's, let's read it, uh, we'll pray, and we'll get started. After this, I will pour out my Spirit on all humanity. Then your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will have dreams, and your young men will see visions. I will even pour out my Spirit on the male and female slaves in those days. I will display wonders in the heavens and on earth, blood, fire, and columns of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, for there will be an escape for those on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem as the Lord promised, among the survivors, the Lord calls. Heavenly Father, God, I just ask that you would anoint this PMC beyond time, God. Lord, uh, Holy Spirit, be here in our living rooms, in our kitchens, uh, and and, uh, just just wherever we're, we're, we're listening in, Lord. I just ask, God, um, if it's through a phone or a computer or a tablet right now, Lord, I just pray that the technology would work, that everybody would be able to hear what you have to say today, God. Um, 
speak to our hearts and our minds. I pray that uh, we could have limited distractions today, Lord, uh, limited self-involved, Lord, that, that we can just uh, come before you uh, as, as just hungry, hungry people ready to, to receive uh, your good meal for us, Lord. I just ask that you would, uh, you would speak life uh, into this message today, speak life into our hearts and minds, and, and Holy Spirit, I just pray that we can just, uh, we can move closer to you, we can, we can lean into you today, help us to understand what it means uh, to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. So God, Father, Holy Spirit, uh, we are lifting up these pray prayers to you. We ask that you would speak, Lord, in your name we pray, amen. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Joel chapter 2. We're going to take a look at verse 23 real quick. In verse 23 of chapter 2, God says that he is going to send restoration rains as before. Okay, this is restoration language. God has a plan of, of restoration. He is going to send restoration rains, that's, that's the way he's putting it here, as before. But now... Starting in verse 28, take note here, after the sending of the rains, after the new grain and the new wine and the fresh oil comes, after, after this restoration language uh, kind of plays out, God says in verse 28, after this, after this, I will pour out my spirit. I will pour out my spirit. We hold the teaching of, of God as a, as a trinity, the Trinity, one God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God, the wind, the, the breath of God that was there in creation that inspires holiness and leads people in, in sanctification process. And uh, the Spirit that, that rests on women and men in the Old Testament. The, the Spirit that, that guides and inspires the biblical writers. This promise here, this Spirit, you know, like, like someday this spirit is going to be poured out. That's what, that's what God is saying here. I am going to pour out my spirit, the, the, the active spirit of God. There's going to be a, a deluge, a, a, down, a downpouring of the spirit. And so we have uh, at least four aspects to kind of think about here. I mean, God says he's going to pour out his spirit. And the first aspect of this promise is found in the pouring. Like, God is not going to withhold his spirit. And we can only speculate what our ancestors truly thought about this idea that, that God's spirit is going to be poured out. But we do know as we read the, the Old Testament, the Old Testament gives us some hints about the power and activity of the spirit and, and it's uh, and, and the Holy Spirit's involvement and, and the work of transformation and new life and restoration and, and so on. But, but what exactly did they think about this promise? Okay. The second aspect is the Spirit of God will be poured out on all humanity. What does all humanity mean to Joel? Well, we can only speculate with that as well. As Christians, though, uh, we know this promise has a wide vision because it includes all nations. It includes 
the Gentiles, not just uh, a tight interpretation of, of, uh, of Jewish people. It's, this promise includes the Gentiles. That's, that's good news. The third aspect of this promise of God saying he's going to pour out his, his spirit is that it is inclusive. It includes sons and daughters, young and old. The, the spirit is even for the, the lowly male and female slaves. This is good news. As we bring a, a New Testament interpretation, a Jesus interpretation, a Messiah-shaped interpretation to all this, we understand that Jesus died for the sins of all people. And Paul picks this up when he's writing out his, his New Testament letters. The Apostle Paul writes in Galatians 3.23, it doesn't matter what ethnicity you are, it doesn't matter if you're slave or free, male or female, believers in Christ are one in Christ. Later on in 1 Corinthians 12.13, Paul writes, For we are all baptized by one Spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks or slave or free. We are all given one Spirit to drink. And so Jesus, the Son of God, he, he accomplishes the reconciling work on the cross. And we're going to be celebrating that uh, really soon, uh, coming up in a, in a couple of days here, uh, and you know, over the next couple of weeks. Jesus accomplished the, the reconciling, re, uh, reconciling work on, on the cross. Jesus pays the debt, and he heals the relationship between us and God. But there's more, though, because God not only sends his son, God sends the Spirit. God promises the, the Spirit. The Spirit will abundantly uh, be available for all people of all generations, of all ethnicities. God doesn't go skimpy here. He goes big. There will be a pouring out of God's Spirit. And the fourth aspect that we see here with this, with this Spirit promise is that we see three Spirit-filled responses. And I believe that this, this stresses the magnitude of the gift of the Holy Spirit. Prophecies, dreams, and visions. We don't have time to talk about this today. We can't really get into, into these things, but um, I just want to kind of focus on today in the church. I believe that there are people with prophetic gifting today, and, and God gives the church people with a prophetic ministry base. Okay, I, I believe that's, that's all there. I, I'm, I'm not saying that, that God inspires them to write more scripture or new scripture. I'm not saying that. Uh, but what I'm saying, well, actually, I'm going to borrow from Alan Hirsch. Um, in short, those with prophetic gifting and that prophetic ministry base, uh, those graced with the prophetic calling will do all they can to listen to God, see what God sees, feel what God feels, speak and act on God's behalf, and call people to faithfulness and obedience. Okay, you can pick up some of the flavors uh, with with prophetic gifting and having that prophetic ministry base. So much more to say about that. But then there's also dreams. Dreams are different from visions. Dreams happen when we're sleeping. Everyone dreams, and thank God, not every dream comes from 
God. <laughs> Visions uh, is what happens to us when we're awake, but usually when we're in some sort of uh, in the spirit type of mode. Uh, perhaps we've been meditating or uh, pondering or, you know, gazing out upon nature and praying and, and you know, we're, we're contemplating and, and all of that. We're in the, the spirit. And I'm not, I'm not gifted in prophecy, prophetic gifting and things like that. And again, I won't say much about that today. I will offer, I know uh, one of our EC pastors who, who, uh, who does have a prophetic ministry base, and uh, he might uh, be able to answer some, some questions that, that you might have. Um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put in a commercial for him. Um, if you have any questions, ask Ask him. Now, um, yeah, lot, lots to talk about here with, with, with prophecy and dreams and visions. And uh, my posture is to be open to dreams and visions, to be open to the prophetic voice. We don't want to put God in a box. But of course, it's got to square up with the Bible. Okay? We're not going to build uh, some new doctrines uh, off of Aunt Ethel's. Uh, dreams or, or visions, right? Right. It, things have to stay uh, squared up and dialed in with with Scripture. So uh, next in Joel, let's let's move on there. Uh, next in Joel, Joel takes uh, takes this promise of the Spirit and 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 ties it to the warning signs of of cosmic upheaval, along with the announcement of the day of the Lord. Okay. And so, so God is still speaking here. God says, I will display wonders in the heavens and on earth, blood, fire, columns of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. Now, Joel's talking about wonders. I think Joel is uh, kind of echoing the Exodus plagues here. Earlier in, in Joel, uh, he used cosmological imagery to express the day of the Lord. Well, now, here, later on now, in Joel chapter 2, where we're at today, Joel returns to all of that here. You know, the sun will be turned to darkness and, and the moon to, to blood. And, and uh, if you ask me, is this literal, figurative, metaphor, symbolic? My answer is yes. <laughs> Uh, there, there is inherent difficulties with cosmological and apocalyptic imagery. But for us today, uh, let's just keep it in the context. Uh, these signs are associated with the day of the Lord. But now we get the fuller story. Today in our text, we get the fuller story. This second time around, Joel, in context here, these signs are are linked up with the pouring out of God's spirit. And you know our our world can shake. God can shake the world. But remember in that God God promises his spirit. We have the promise of his spirit here. Now somebody might Come up to you and say, "Hey, look, there's a there's a blood there's a blood moon, right?" 
And I think as, as believers in Jesus Christ, as born-again believers in Jesus Christ, we get to say, that's pretty neat. Scientifically, blood moons usually occur every two or three years, and you know, I believe May 26th of this year is there's supposed to be another one, okay? I don't have a tight and rigid understanding of, of these images, okay? I'm just going to put that out there. Um, but I don't think stalking these cosmological signs is the point of the text. However you interpret the signs and the events here in Joel, Again, I think there's different layers going on here. But however you interpret the signs and events in Joel, just remember that there is a sense of urgency to return to the Lord. A call to faithfulness. If you're one who is interested in in some of these signs and and tracking moons and and blood moons and things like that, just fall in love with the Lord. Don't fall in love with the signs and and all of that. There is a call to return to the Lord. I just want to keep us in the context here. Return to the Lord, that sense of urgency, a call back to faithfulness. Now, uh, getting getting back to the outpouring of the Spirit, Joel says uh, there is going to be an outpouring on all humanity. Doesn't matter what gender or generation or social class you're in, okay, but like, for real, who, who receives the Spirit? Who, who's going to get this, this downpour? Verse 32 gives us the answer. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For there will be escape for those on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, as the Lord promised. Among the survivors, the Lord calls. You can endure the day of the Lord. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I think name, name is is key here, okay? Name is tied to identity. It's tied to authority. Those who believe and have faith and know their their covenantal God, uh, those who, who know that he is king and he has the authority to offer pardon, salvation, healing, Okay, those who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. As we kind of zoom out here, I I think we can emphasize in in verse 32, security and stability. In Joel's prophetic uh, context and his prophetic imagination here, with, with devastation and invasions and cosmic upheaval, yes, we will have things in our life our nation, our world, that wreck us. But from our horizon, Christian, in Christ, there is no upheaval, there is no turmoil, there is no pit that is too deep for Jesus' rescue. You can stand on that promise. You can take it with you to the grave. If your, your life might expire... But even so, I believe in Christ you'll be secure and stable in the loving presence of Jesus Christ. We have security and stability. Return to the Lord, a call to faithfulness. Call upon the name of the Lord. Trust, wait, hope, pray. Right? 
right? Now, now in our Old Testament, uh, the Old Testament points to Jesus. And, and when we preach in the Old Testament, when we preach from, from the Old Testament, we often pick up, you know, we, we, we want to emphasize that. Like, like, it's cool to find Jesus in the Old Testament. Uh, but today, we have the, the great opportunity to not neglect or diminish the Old Testament's statements and promises of the Holy Spirit. Right? The Holy Spirit is active in the Old Testament, and, and, and the Old Testament points us to Jesus, and, and there, there's so much good, good rich theology that, that comes out of the Old Testament that helps us make sense of the New Testament. And so now, I know we're in a sermon series through Joel, but let's actually leave Joel, and let's, let's fly through the pages. Let's, let's turn our attention to the New Testament. Let's actually uh, uncover some of the, the activity of, of, of the Spirit, some of the Spirit's activity in the New Testament. So um, let's just let's start in Luke. Uh, the, the Spirit falls upon uh, Mary, Jesus' mom, right? The Spirit is involved with, with John and Elizabeth and Zechariah, if you, if you know those the, the, those stories, right? When, when baby Jesus was, was taken to the temple, the Spirit rested upon this guy named Simeon, a man described as a lover of God. And, and Jesus' relative, his, his cousin John, would grow up, and um, he would become a, a preacher, and he was, he was well known for his water baptisms out in the, the wilds. But, but John distinctly made the note that his baptisms are with water, but Jesus... Uh, will baptize with the Spirit. We're kind of blazing through here. Um, we're, we're skipping over a lot of points of the story, but um, let's just keep moving on here. Jesus himself, uh, he was baptized by John. And if you know the story, that the sky splits open and the Spirit of God descends upon Jesus like a dove. And the Father speaks over Jesus. This is my Son. I love you. I am well pleased with you. Jesus is empowered by the Spirit, and, and, and he's empowered by the Spirit, and that, that kind of launches him into his messianic mission and, and ministry there. Lots of Spirit activity in the early pages of, of the New Testament. But then, uh, um, as, we, as we're reading this, and we're reading about Jesus' early days of, of ministry, I mean, there's no major outpouring yet. So let's just keep plowing through here. We get to Luke 4. Jesus reads and identifies with the text from the Isaiah scroll. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he has anointed me to be hope for the poor, healing for the brokenhearted, and new eyes for the blind, uh, and, and, and so on. In John 3, Jesus talks about being Spirit-born. In John 6, Jesus teaches that the Spirit is the one who gives life. In John 7, John 18, or excuse me, Luke 18, John 14, Jesus promises the Spirit. At one point, Jesus, uh, when, he, when he's talking about the Spirit and how the Spirit is going to come, uh, he, he, in the Greek, he, he calls the Spirit a parakletos, uh, which can be rendered as counselor and comforter, an advocate, an encourager, an intercessor, a helper. All these, all these great 
All these great things to help us get through the day, right? Uh, our, our, our paracletos, the Spirit is our advocate. And the Spirit will continue to teach us many things in Jesus' name. In our storyline, we get to Palm Sunday, Jesus riding on a donkey, right? Good Friday. Resurrection happens on Easter. Romans 8, 11 uh, makes a, a reference that the Spirit was involved with resurrection. We keep turning through the storyline. We get to Acts chapter 1. We find out that resurrected Jesus appeared to his disciples many times over a period of 40 days. Like, that's, that's wild. Jesus, resurrected Jesus was here. He, he continued to teach, talk about the kingdom. He, he continued to appear to them for 40 days. And then in Acts chapter 1, Jesus instructs them to stay in Jerusalem and wait for the Father's promise. So let's, let's dive into it here. Uh, Acts chapter 1, Jesus is telling them, wait for the Father's promise, which he said, you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit in a few days. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Shortly after that, Jesus ascends into heaven. He sits at the right hand of, of God. Jesus is, is king. And, uh, and, and the disciples, uh, what, what do they do? Well, they, they return to the upper room in Jerusalem, and they, they wait, and they pray. Okay? Jesus told them to wait. That's what they're doing. We turn to Acts chapter 2. A few days later, on the day of Pentecost which is one of the major feasts of, of Israel. It takes place 50 days after Passover Sabbath. 50 days, uh, that's where the, the Pentecost, Penta, comes from. 50 days after Passover Sabbath, suddenly a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were staying. They saw tongues like flames of fire that separated and rested on each one of them. They, then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Here, this is where Joel's prophecy is fulfilled. It's fulfilled on the day of Pentecost. When Joel is having this vision, this, this prophetic imagination, this, this prophetic whatever you want to call it, but Joel is like, man, like God's going to pour out his spirit someday. Finally, in Acts chapter 2, we get to see this. The spirit is here. People in Jerusalem are bewildered by this. The city at this time is filled with international visitors but everybody could hear what the disciples were speaking in his or her own language. It's incredible. And some people, they, they poked fun at this, and they, they were like, 
what these are these are these are some drunk Jewish people going on here. Like like they're all drunk on wine. And Peter, the disciple named Peter, he sees this. He he rises to the to the occasion and and he stands up and he shouts out and he's like, "Listen up, these people are not drunk." By the way, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. Uh, Peter's like, what you're seeing here is the fulfillment of the prophesy of what was prophesied through the prophet Joel. Peter knows his Bible. Peter knows the scriptures, and he's recognizing that this amazing day that's happening in the city of Jerusalem is 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 what Joel talked about. This day of spirit outpouring is what the scriptures talked about. This is what Jesus was talking about. And Peter, in Acts chapter 2, as, as, as recorded, uh, he goes on to, t- he, he quotes Joel, and he continues to preach. And you know what? It, it says that about 3,000 people believed that day. They became Jesus followers that day. And you know, filled with the Holy Spirit, filled and empowered with the Spirit, this brand new thing that someday we're going, we're going to call it a church, the church, this brand new entity, this, this assembly of, of, of Jesus people, filled and empowered with the Spirit, the brand new church, under the leadership of the disciples, they continue the project that Jesus started. It's so cool. They they listened to Jesus and they took on what he told them to do. We call it the Great Commission. In Acts 8, Spirit-led Philip travels to Samaria and and it brings the the life-giving message of the gospel. In Acts 10, the Spirit is an actor in bringing the gospel to the Gentiles like, like Cornelius In Acts 16, the Spirit directs Paul, or rather, the Spirit hinders Paul a couple times and then directs Paul to Macedonia, uh, which is not Asia anymore. Uh, Like, this is, we're talking about Europe. Paul goes to Europe and starts doing ministry there. In Acts 19, in Ephesus, people receive the Holy Spirit, and it just keeps going and going and going. The Spirit is what is behind our Christian ministry, and mission. The Christian lifestyle. How, how we live. It's, it's God's spirit and dwelling in us. You see, the promise of the spirit is a progressive promise. It's, it's a promoting promise. And today, the spirit moves and the gospel of Jesus continues to meet new places spaces, and contexts. And Joel was right not to call it a sprinkle. Like, God is really making his spirit abundantly available to all contexts all over the world, to the end of the earth. Church, we are empowered on behalf of Jesus to tell the world the good news of what he did on Good Friday and Easter. To tell the world about Jesus, of what he accomplished. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit 
to teach the ways of Jesus, to practice the ways of Jesus, to, to baptize people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And as we kind of just land the plane this morning, I just would like to close with a courtroom analogy just to kind of tie it all up. Uh, the, the Spirit of God Preveniently works upon a, a person's heart, and you know maybe they they went to church a few times. Maybe a friend shared a testimony. Maybe uh, they were at Hobby Lobby and read a Bible verse on on some decor. Uh, however, the Spirit works. The Spirit is working upon a person's heart, and and that person is is led into the courtroom. Of, of God, an analogy, right? Um, but the Spirit preveniently works upon a person, leads them into the courtroom of God. They come stumbling in, and, you know, they're, they're kind of confused about what's going on, but they feel like they're in the right place. And um, in the courtroom, uh, Jesus is there, um, and uh, we find out that, you know, um, this, this person who, who came in here, they, they, they find out uh, that, that this man, this, this holy man, took on the penalty of our sin. That, that, that Jesus reconciled the account. And, and it's the work of, of Jesus, this, this grace and mercy. It's, it's offered uh, to, this, to this sinner as, as a gift. But this gift of acquittal, uh, acquittal is, is not forced upon this person. Okay, They have a choice. And, and, you know, when, when we're approaching judgment and we're, we're approaching God and we're, we're approaching and we have, to, we have to talk about sin and, and bad news and all of this stuff, you know, a lot of people, yeah, they, they don't want to engage in that stuff. Um, but, but our person, in our analogy, um, this person, this, this sinner, uh, this, this prodigal, they, they, they're like, they, they, hear, they hear about this. They, they hear about Jesus and they walk down the aisle of, of forgiveness and they get down to the bench and, and they say yes to Jesus. They call upon the name of the Lord and, and they're like, okay, Jesus, you really did pay in full. You can, you can, you can wipe things clean. And, and our person, they, they say yes to Jesus and they receive full and complete pardon full and complete salvation. This person is, is set free from the penalty of sin, past, present, and future. It's amazing grace. Amazing grace. Amazing good news. But it's not like, okay, now you're saved. You can exit, exit through the gift shop, right? Go get some Christian swag and, and, and move on with your life. That's not what God does. There's more. God doesn't just set us free and leave us alone. He gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit to dwell in us. The old self dies and we start living the, the Christ life, the Spirit-empowered life inside of us. It is the Spirit who effectively works upon a human heart to bring about the conviction of sin, work newness of life in people so that they believe, and, and the Spirit is there to, to continue, continually lead us into the truth. So, do you know the Spirit? 
Do you know the Spirit? What questions do you have? Do you trust God with your life? Have you said yes to to Christ? Have, Have you called upon the name of the Lord? What words would you use to describe your Christian life? Are you growing in intimacy with the Lord? Are you standing in a sprinkle? Are you standing in the downpour? Hear this. God does not withhold his spirit. God has a restoration plan for you and this world. And so our challenge is to lean into this promise. Let's lean into this promise. God does not withhold his spirit. The downpour Holy Spirit-empowered life is is available for you today. Let's pray. Oh, Holy God, help us to abide in the Spirit. Father, teach us how to to learn, how to be less and less self-directed and more and more Spirit-directed. Father, help us to recognize your missional spirit in our Bibles, that, that this, this spirit is, is moving and, and working on human hearts, and, and help us to see that in our Bibles, help us to see that in our own lives. I just ask that you would just keep bringing your restoration plan to our lives and to this church, to, to PMC beyond. Use this space, use this technology, Lord Help us to dream dreams and see visions of you. So we call upon your your name, Lord Jesus. Be our deliverance. Move us, transform us, transfigure us. Lead us on that right path. Lead us into the truth. Help us to think clearly, Lord. We abide in you. In your name we pray. Amen.